session to the end of the month, so y'all better dance. Hey. What up, y'all? Welcome to the afternoon edition GA 2023 Live. Welcome to the Cosmetic Podcast. Yeah, baby, we're here live at the YMCA General Assembly. Powered by the YMCA of Metropolitan Dallas. Hey, look, cosmetics means being a person, a thing that gives rise to a phenomenon that is dynamic or energized. We're tackling topics and bad, bad, you believe. We're going to tell, tell the, truth. the truth. Okay, okay. Hey, hey look, I'm Keith Spencer. And I'm Rodrigo Ross. And today. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Don't get, get right. Let me give <laughs> get right. right. I got oh. hot. Somebody bring me a church Four fan. months ago, we got a call from Shana. Shana said, we got Shireen Day. I say you what? stop play play don't, don't play with play me stop playing in my face Sean. You know we ain't did nothing like Shana, that. Don't play in my girl. face. Don't do it. She said for real for real. I said okay okay okay. So we've been planning for this thing for for months. I mean it's the mind's been processing like like do we need to be really no, you do not. Okay, Should I work what? on my Bridgerton accent? No, you do no, not. No, okay. no, no. Thank you. Thank I, you. Thank you, because I, I, I didn't get it. No, I didn't you're get just it right. a true American. Just, I just, thank you. You just yeah. want to take over everything. I, but I got Brooklyn down, though. You got Alabama down, too. Hey, look, today, y'all, we uh, <laughs> we have uh, the one and only best-selling author of uh, the anti-racist organization dismantling systemic racism in the workplace, the author, the queen, Thank you for coming to America. Um, yeah, I saw what you did there. It didn't work, but I saw what you did there. <laughs> hey, look, Prince our topic Hakeem. for today is uh, Book Smarts. <laughs> yes, Book Smarts and, featuring uh, none other. We're going to try to dissect this book and all the knowledge that you have over these next 30 minutes. And so, hey, look, let's, let's jump into the deep end. Why, why is it anti-racist? What, what is it? Define that. Give us this clear definition so we can start with that baseline before we really get into tackling topics and telling the truth. Hmm. Okay, so anti-racism is a practice rather than an ideology, okay. mm. which means it, we have to do something all the time. Sure. Right? So yep. it's about tackling, so an anti-racist organization is one that tackles racial inequality when it shows up, yeah, in as close to real time as possible, so you are alert to the way it shows up, mm. rather than waiting for something to happen and then everyone's like, oh, we've got something to do. Mm. An anti-racist organization also uses data to figure out where the problem is, rather than if the problem exists. Mm. Mm. So we're not debating Right about whether the presence or lack thereof of racism. Okay. Okay. And more importantly, it centres the people who are most impacted mm. versus what looks good or what feels comfortable. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to give me a minute. <laughs> Process all that. You're gonna have to that. give me a minute because you're speaking to my soul. The data, not to tell us if it exists, where it's showing up. Mm, somebody, y'all got paper to get your phones out. Somebody <laughs> turn, press get, get record. T- t- just, yeah, type t- wow. some of that stuff down. Wow. Um, wow. So that's our baseline for our conversation. That's, that's the baseline today. for our okay. conversation, right? That it is the practice. It's not this ideology. It's not this theory. It's not this pontificating about if it is a thing. It's a thing. Let's right. let's start there. We have established it's a thing. Well, when what are talk, we actively doing? Yeah. When you talk about anti-racism, like. <laughs> You have to be specific about it too. So hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about that part? So I will forever always talk about being really clear on defining terms. So we started this conversation beautifully. 
I have also seen over the last few years how we've used different terminology as a euphemism for racism, mm. right? So companies will talk about inclusion and belonging, or they may talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But my thing is, if you cannot name the problem, systemic racism, then how can you say that we're going to do anything to solve it? Right, right. And so I used to, there was a, every time I go into companies and my team and I, and I do this with board teams, and they tell me that they've done a lot of activity, but I'm over here to come thank you. And they tell me they've done a lot, lot of activity around this. I asked them to send me all their documentation. So they were like, we've got our annual DEI report. And I, I said, okay, send that. And then I do control F. And I control F because I'm looking for the word racism. Mm. And if the word racism doesn't appear, woo Hold on. Well, I... I, I I would say, first of all, control F. That, that, I, I didn't know about that shortcut. I use a lot of control. <laughs> the man, the man, the man having an IT discussion I, right now. I, I we got a whole anti-racist guru in. He's I say, look, I ain't no one out here. He probably still uh, got a Palm Pilot or a Blackberry or something in his pocket. I borrowed it from you. Yeah, I ain't <laughs> going to play with you today, Keith. Control F, that means fine. So we hit control F. Looking for the word racism. Right. Right, because if it's not there, hmm. huh? Do you understand what I'm saying? And then the other thing about the specificity point, because I always do make this clear when I talk about this in any way, is that I deliberately chose to focus on anti-black racism. Yeah. And and why why did you make that 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 decision that choice? You looked in the mirror. Apart from the fact that you're my community. But I also just saw over decades and decades of the corporatization of this topic mm. is that we have left behind the very people that actually diversity and inclusion was set up to support. Because mm. diversity and inclusion came out of the civil rights movement. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Yes, ma'am. And it was about ensuring the fact that it was actually a alternative to legal action for companies it's basically like either you get sued for continuing to discriminate against black people mm -hmm. or you go and do this diversity training gotcha so they took it as a alternative to getting the legal fines okay. mm -hmm. but then over the years and over the decades it just morphed into something and so that we saw after the murder of george floyd in 2020 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I always like to say to people, we weren't marching because we needed more DEI. We were marching because we wanted equality. We were marching because of systemic racism. Mm -hmm. And that's the changes that we wanted to see within organizations. Yeah. And somehow it kind of got lost in translation. So I just wanted to bring that specificity back. Yeah. So why do yeah. I have to put or say racism? And why, why do I, I mean, because that, that word is, a, is offensive. I mean, that's what some of the conversation will come about. And it, when I when you say those words, make people feel a certain way. So, so why well, you hitting Control F? You're looking up that, but so you don't find it because it's offensive. So what? So my thing is, it's more offensive for us who are experiencing it than it is for you to just be hearing or saying the word. Right. Right. Mm. And my other thing is. When we talk about systemic racism, what we're actually saying about consistent, favorable outcomes for some to different degrees and consistent, unfavorable outcomes 
for some mm -hmm. to different degrees. Mm -hmm. And then we see that replicated through our employment systems, housing, health inequality, our judicial systems. And it's replicated in different patterns all over the world, with the common denominator being the impact on racialized individuals with the, another common denominator being anyone who identifies as black is likely to be at the very bottom of the racial hierarchy. Right. So if we can't get to those communities of people in a global sense and or in your local town, city, etc., then we can never claim that we're genuinely for all people because everyone, technically, we've been for all people for hundreds of years, but yet here we are right. still having the same conversation. Sure. Over yep. and over yeah. and over yeah. and over yeah. and over so again. So I had the opportunity to see you um, in a space. You were doing this Zoom um, um, webinar speech talk, and um, you were talking about the impetus for you to lean into this bravery. What I love, love, love is that if I'm thinking it, Shireen gonna say it. And she gonna say it with that accent, right? So, and that make it even better. But you were talking about the chain of events that happened for you personally that really helped you lean into the bravery to just call a thing a thing. Talk to us because I know I recognize as DEI practitioners and, and just as people who who you really want to be able to talk about your lived experience for as much as people can kind of create what we perceive to be a safe space there is a level of personal bravery that has to exist right. you gotta say right. it right. i can put all the pillows down but if you don't fall back you're still standing up right so uh, talk to us about that and how you lean into that and use that every day when you are talking about in control f and looking for the word racism right. in your work my background is human resources. I've been in HR for officially now almost 20 years, but prior to doing this work, you would say 17 years. And for 17 years, I tried very hard to make sure that I never brought the word race or racism to any conversations about me or my team, my experiences or their experiences. I always tried to move around the subject, around the issues. I turned the other cheek, swallowed all the things that I really wanted to say because I thought, that's what I needed to do to be accepted. Mm. Yeah. And then I saw the video of Amy Cooper in Central Park in May 2020, and it triggered a moment of crisis for me, if you like, mm. because I thought, I thought to myself, Amy Cooper is the avatar of people that I've worked with, worked for, had relationships mm. with, right? Mm. Well, you mm -hmm. know there's always that racialized dynamic, and there's, there's always that whether it's conscious or unconscious recognition that we live in a world that is optimized for whiteness and therefore white people. Mm -hmm. So we always, I felt, had to be mindful of our place. Mm. And so I recorded a video in my bedroom, mobile phone, um, all fine, just talking about my experiences. Um, and then I had a breakdown when I thought I had to share it. Because mm -hmm. if I thought I, if I did this, I then become the very person that I've spent 17 years trying not to be, and that's the black woman talking about racism. Mm. Mm. I didn't want to be the one making excuses. I didn't want to be the one that people say, look at her, she's playing the victim. Mm. I didn't mm. want to be the troublemaker. I didn't want to be the one that's always making it about race. Yep. And in that moment when I'm breaking down and I 
held up that mirror to my face and I just thought, actually, I spent 17 years seeking the approval and validation of white people because in my mind, that was the connection to opportunity. Mm. So if they don't accept me, who am I? Because I'm ambitious, I want a career, etc., etc. I want all the things that we're told we should have. And I saw white people as the pinnacle of being able to get to that. So in the professional sense, if you're not accepted by white people, you actually have no career because it is white people that occupies the majority seats of power across all facets of society. So when we keep telling people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, to stop being playing a victim to you know to, yeah we can do all of those things but because we've never been able to get to the system of this work we have just taught people how to be better hurdlers we haven't taken down the hurdles themselves oh. huh. so as black people we can jump real high yeah we can right mm-hmm. yeah and sometimes we don't have time to stop for water we don't you know all of these things and, and we still have to keep operating in spaces that aren't optimized to recognize our humanity. Mm. So when you ask that question around people who find the term of race and racism offensive, it's a reminder that somehow there is an expectation that we must accept our position in society and be grateful for any of these opportunities that come our way. The saying, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Come on now, could we go, if we're gonna t- <laughs> Right? This is when you shift in your seat <laughs> and cross your other leg, huh? Right. I mean, it's like hard. you're hitting home to me right huh. now in like this moving way. Um, I gotta watch myself here for a second. You, Keith, you finna cry in front of all Go on now, stop now, Keith. leave me alone, stop. Keith stop. finna cry? Stop. Um, because it's, it's true, like the system has been set up in such a way that we think is the norm. And so when we say something that is out of the norm it's offensive right but this is what i feel this is what i live day in and day out now we are two fully grown adults can we just talk right mm. instead of you saying oh this is offensive this is you, why you got to go there why you got to throw the race card hey man this is what i live day in and day out mm. right and so we find it tough in our spaces to even bring that up we got to get this gumption this boldness to be able to say something that we live with every day and right. that's and that's the system that is that is built up yeah. and c- yeah. can i just add because I'm, I'm just going to take it one step further and say one of the key conversations that i have with c-suite leaders who invariably are white but i have this with everybody irrespective of ethnicity is because of all of these things that we know when you're asking people who are most impacted by this to produce business cases to talk about the return on investment of investing in systems to dismantle systemic racism when you're saying to people tell me about these different experiences of racism that you've had and you're doing it through the lens of having them try and convince you because because it's not your lived experience you act as the validator so as a, as a black person trying to have this conversation, you're always thinking to yourself, if they don't accept my truth, it's because I haven't done a good enough job of explaining it. So who's the, where is the burden then? Hmm. Hmm. 
So every time we're asked to tell our stories and yeah. we're asked to write PowerPoint presentations and we're asked to do all of these things, it is actually feeding the system because it's giving people more of an excuse to pick apart. And that's why people say, I don't like the way that you said that. You're too emotional. You're too aggressive. So you've got to modulate your tone, otherwise me and people like me can't hear you. Mm. You've mm. got to make me feel uncomfortable. When I'm crying, you've got to comfort me. Because mm -hmm. I'm not ready to have this conversation with you. So when I'm ready, then I'll call you. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, in 2023, ain't nobody still ready. Mm. When are we going to get ready? Right. Mm. But we've been ready. Me, I've been ready. Because it's almost the same. When you got something... I mean, I, I'm no therapist, but from a mental You're health not. standpoint, I tell you, I'm going to give you some therapy. I, you, keep you know, I just said what you said. You all <laughs> but is that part is that, you know, you, we got to talk to somebody. The therapist is someone that we would go to because we got to just let this out. So when you come up in and ask me a question about, well, tell me about some of these experiences. Well, brother, I ain't had time to, to tell nobody. And so, like, you, you may get the first dose of this, and so it's going to come out in this yeah. emotional way yeah like you're gonna you getting bam because it's been pent up so long that now i'm letting it out and so yeah you on the other end of that mm. and that may feel different from you in a conversation right mm. and i think also some people so i've had some leaders that said to me but shireen if i don't ask the question because i'm trying to understand and i said we live in the greatest technological age in the world. Google is free. There are podcasts, there are documentaries, there are books, there are textbooks, there are picture books that talk about the prevalence of this problem. So are you really telling me you need a 15-minute conversation? Because that's often how much time they give because they're busy and they've got another meeting in 10 minutes, right? right. So you telling me that that's, you have to keep hearing these stories over and over again. And so my question is, do you really need to hear those stories? Mm -hmm. Or are you either procrastinating? Because if you keep asking that question and say, I don't understand, it means you don't have to do anything. Because I need to understand it before I take action. Sure. So what, what should I do? I mean, because the white male will say that, and I don't know what to do. I, I ask you the question, then I, then I get this speech. You know, but, so like, what am I to do to help educate myself to be in a space to just understand what, what what's going on because that's not my lived experience so i think i mean listen i don't know because like i'm not a white person but i can <laughs> so I, i'm only superimposing here but i will say that i have a few i call them gold star ceos um and the traits that they have that has enabled them without the lived experience to get into this is one they have accepted the existence of racism. So any questions that they ask, they're very explicit to say, you don't have to prove to me. I'm just trying to fit some things in so I can help unlock some things to be able to do what we need to do. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different mindset to be in. Yeah. And when you're on yeah. the receiving end of that, it is a very different, you're like, oh, okay, okay. What you need to know, I tell it, right, right. So the dynamic is different. Yeah. Because they've already addressed that, that first thing. The second thing is, there isn't a discussion about if we're going to do something or whether we're going to do something. It's a question of when and how and what. Right. Again, when you're on the receiving end of that very different dynamic. Mm -hmm. so, so you can think, okay, okay. So I, again, I'm not having to prove anything. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, is they also use the spaces that they are in to challenge people who look like them. Mm. 
and they're willing to step into that because, and I had, you know, one of my, he's now actually a friend of mine, is a CEO of a tech company in the UK, he's actually from Northern Ireland, um, and he said, because I know it doesn't matter how challenging I am, the consequences of me saying what you always say is very different than the consequences of what you say. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I'll be in a room talking to senior leaders and telling them X, Y, and Z, and they're just looking, and he will say the same thing that I've said because he's literally repeating it, and they're all nodding, yes, yeah. yes, John. Right, yeah, right, right. yeah, yes, mm -hmm. yes, right. yeah. And so he could have just accepted that, and often, because we do a lot of keynotes and panels together, and he will say, but why were you so willing to accept it from me? But I've just repeated exactly what Shireen said here. Mm -hmm. And that dynamic plays out in the workplace. Yeah. How many of us have said something and then somebody else who doesn't look like us says the same thing and everyone's looking like it's the best thing since sliced bread? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yeah. And it's like, so I'm just gonna not talk. And then when you don't talk, they say you don't talk. <laughs> I, I felt a way because you were quiet. <laughs> The last time I said, <laughs> but when you said it, don't say it like that. Right, right. I don't know what. I don't right. know what. How am I supposed to talk? I don't know what. Like Keith Flint. I don't know what. All I can be is Keith Flint. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. It's you a got lie. that right. It's a lot. It's a lot. Because <laughs> I got to put up with you all the time <laughs> on the podcast. You love it. Let's do it. So, most people who are anchored in this work know that when you are living through these experiences and you are championing this work it is exhausting i was talking with a colleague earlier and i spent um the vast majority of my years in the ymca in operations right. the day-to-day -day, this is broke that's not working this senior wanted coffee and they had you, hot chocolate can you tell her who hired you for uh, your first i ain't gonna go into this job. long convoluted story <laughs> it ain't gotta be long it's not just, important just. <clears throat> And you get tired, right? And so you, you take a couple of days off, you buy three pairs of shoes instead of two, you know, you feel better, I'm back. You go in there and Miss Mabel's still acting up, but you, you ready for Miss Mabel. Come on, Miss Mabel, you in that little walker, I got you today, right? But this work creates a weariness that is different than just being tired, right? You go take an extra nap, uh, a five hour energy. How do you, Shireen, deal with the weariness of championing this work and still being a black woman just trying to live right, um, right, today? Right. So I, as a positive thing for you all, is that 99% of the work that you do is not gonna mean that you're trolled or attacked or get death threats, both from people who aren't of your community and people are of your community and that's the life that I lead. Yeah. You know? Huh. I've been in my house sometimes crying because people have followed me on different social medias and threatened all sorts. And also just to be clear, these are professional people Hello. that wow. you will find on professional networking websites, Ooh. right? So they have the title of director, head of department, team leader, manager. So these are not you know that everyone has the assumption of who the people are that do these things, like it no it's not that. So you have to be focused on your intrinsic motivation to do this work as a reminder, but you also have to give yourself grace to take days off when you need to take days off. Yeah. So, so I know, and I had this conversation yesterday in a workshop that we did, because it's because this word work will sometimes suck you dry, particularly if you're in environments 
that are centering people who are least impacted by this and you feel like I've been having this conversation over and over again when are we going to get to doing the actual work I've run out of tissues for wiping up the tears I've run out of all the different ways to explain my lived experience and all the different tools and you and you just think is what I'm doing worth it is what I'm doing making a difference mm -hmm. So the first thing that I always have to remind myself and I would remind you all that are doing this work is that knowing the way that the world is constructed, our, our existence is a form of resistance. So the fact that we're here says a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a t-shirt right there. Right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And give yourself permission to do whatever it need, whatever you need to make yourself feel whole. I take long periods of time where I disappear off the grid. Hmm. And I actually go to Africa. <gasps> so I was jealous before. Now I'm jealous. Yeah, jealous. Is. Now, oh. Mm. Oh. Mm. yeah, yeah. Take Man, it. Self care is not selfish. Self care, but I need to because I need silence. I no social media. I'm just with my kids and my family. You know, where I can just be anonymous, and that's really cool. So yeah. I, I tend to do a lot of that. Um, I'm heavily influenced by books written by civil rights. Pan-Africanist liberators on the African continent in the US, you know, mm. Stokely Carmichael, Charles V. Hamilton, Frantz Fanon, you know, so I read some of these things to just refortify my mind, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. Because like this game is, is a mind game sometimes with mm. what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So I have to always remind myself, because it's really easy to think, if I was just a bit softer and maybe I didn't say that, right, because actually we get rewarded for that softness. Right. Right. And in an organizational sense, that's how you get promoted right. when you don't say the things that need to be said sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so how do you be bold and, and resultful? Like, so you want to be bold, you want to get to the next level. I mean, all of us want to put, mo put uh, money in the bank, take, put food on the table and all that. Uh, but I got all this boldness pent up inside of me and I just don't know how to, to get it out in, the, in that workspace. And we can talk, you know, you come home with me, fellowship over dinner, we can have this strong conversation all we want, but then we go into this workplace and it's almost like we're a different person. Right. So what's the words that you would say to folks on how to get that out and, and be bold, but, you know, yet in a way that is, that you can, you know, still be able to move forward in the organization? So I think, and this is why I always say multiple things can all be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this. So this is a generalization, but I know you're going to know what I mean by this. As black people, we are really good. We're really resourceful, and we will flee from one situation to another situation because we know we will make it work. Right. Right. But the problem is we don't often take the time to sit down and say, actually, what is it, I, what is it that I want so I can engineer my next move mm. strategically mm. so I'm not running you know someone's like oh we'll give you and you're just thinking safe haven but you already know the beginning middle and end of the story in some right. cases mm -hmm. right? Right. Mm -hmm. right so I would say even despite all of the challenges that we know exist there are immense opportunities also yeah yeah. You know, the world needs our resourcefulness, our creativity, our ability to make patterns, our ability to connect, mm -hmm. our ability to hold tight to our culture. And actually, the young people that are coming up behind also need your leadership. Right, right. 
you know, and I, I even say this to um, to people who aren't as impacted by this issue, is I said, that, you know, you leaning into this and you consistently doing the work and you taking the mantle and the burden off some of your colleagues sometimes when they're tired means you become a magnet for talent because people want to work for you. Right, right, mm -hmm. right. I want to work for this manager here who I know, I don't have to come in and justify my lived experience. And if I tell them that something happened, they believe me the first time. Wow. So look, hmm. we can take this conversation on. Um, oh, do we got an after, after, off the record session? Uh, we are uh, off, <laughs> off the record, Keisha. Can we do an off the record? Let us know Sorry, what sweet, Shereen let us know what sweet we, we Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, Take hey, so this look, thing off, be, off the record. Before we close out, um, we do have some books that uh, we're gonna, we're gonna give away. Uh, give us give us two nuggets in there that we, we must read. Give, give us a chapter and a nugget uh, okay. that, that you need to go. Um, it's no coincidence that you have a black British woman here because England is the birthplace of racist ideology. So that chapter where I talk about that, you will find endlessly fascinating. Hmm. And the second thing that I will say is there is no correlation between increased representation and the presence or lack thereof of systemic racism, i.e. just because you hire more black and brown people does not mean you have an, don't have an issue with mm -hmm. racism. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. Right so y'all, first of all, Sue and Chastity are sitting over there with books. Don't tackle them, but get you a book. Get, get you a quiet place, right, and, and get your eyes to, to, I, to reading. I, I do think we need to find a sweet cheese. And, 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 you know, because I, I know what you know what that means. Okay. Keisha, tell Keith don't tell I, you what to do. Keisha, you know what I mean. This thing, this, this is too juicy, girl, yeah, that we got to stop right here. Been, we we uh, said it at the beginning that you were going to be blessed. You did not disappoint. I have been standing out for four months. Oh, y'all. Y'all know I'm a thug. I don't cry. I ain't finna do it up here in front. I can't uh, even see my, uh, Shereen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Oh, Thank my you. gosh. Thank you. Thank you. No. Thank you. Yes, y'all. Yes, girl. You're going to make me cry in front of these people. You know I'm from Brooklyn. We don't do that. Thank y'all. Before we sign off, Lachey, y'all know Lachey Leonard is our producer in the back. We love her so hard. We love her so hard. Thank you all for joining us on Book Smart featuring none other. Shereen Daniels. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, look, man, while y'all out there checking out podcasts, check out the Cosmetic Podcast. And look, while you're out there, give us a five-star review. And um, subscribe and listen to us weekly. And as always, be dynamic, be phenomenal, and be cosmetic. Oh, my Lord. All right, we got fun. Oh.